welcome. God bless you. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus said, it is finished, most everybody thought it was. I kid you not. Even his closest friends with whom he broke bread, who witnessed the mighty miracles he did, who saw this awesome prophet, preacher, teacher, who they were confirmed by his miracles and his teachings that not only was he a prophet, preacher, and teacher, he was God in the flesh. But after his illegal trials, after false accusations, after merciless whippings, after having to carry for a distance a portion of the cross and then being nailed to the cross and then dying the evidence showed that most people maybe everybody did not think he would rise again put the scripture for me here and let me just let you see this as part of our time together Luke 24, 1 to 9. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. Now, let, let me suggest this to you. They would have never brought spices for a living body. Spices are brought to a tomb on this occasion and their practice to give a little more fragrance, a little more honor to the deceased. The women, you see, who came here on the third day didn't get to anoint his body before he was beaten and scourged and hung on the cross. The women who came here with with spices that they had prepared, didn't get to anoint his body before he was placed in the tomb. And they thought, well, we didn't get to do it on those two occasions. We will go and we will take the spices. We, they, they, were, they were worried about how they would get in the tomb. Verse 2, then they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, the two men in shining garments said to the women and others who came, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? He spoke saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. You see, they didn't believe that they'd find an empty tomb. They brought stuff for a corpse. To be adorned. And I say that to tell you. 
that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, what he meant was the work that my father sent me to do, I have finished. This Jesus who came as a baby born in the feeding troughs of an animal. This Jesus who lived 33 and a half years on the earth. And did everything in that last three and a half years of his ministry to convince people that he was the Messiah and the Savior they should believe. This Jesus, when he said it is finished, meant I have come to be the sacrifice, the Savior, the atonement for every man, woman, boy, and girl in the world. Every person. Every person outside of Jesus because of sin deserve to pay the penalty for their own sin. But Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sins. He took our place of suffering, our place of crucifixion, our place of condemnation, judgment, and guilt. He took all of our sins, all of our sorrows, all of our pain. We deserve to die. But when he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. I have paid the price. Salvation is free, free, free for everybody. Give the Lord a hand clap, somebody. Now, uh, let me give you a little bit. Of, on June 18, 1815, the Battle of Waterloo took place. The French were led by the Emperor Commander Napoleon Bonaparte. They were fighting against the Allies, who at that time were the English, the Dutch, and the Germans. And the Allies were led by the English commander, Wellington The English had a way of sending signals from the battlefield to the population, informing them of the status of the battle or the war. And so, one of their signal towers where the messages would be sent and conveyed through the land, because they didn't have the means of communication we have now, one of their signal towers was in the... Bell Tower of the Westminster or the Westchester Chapel. Westchester Chapel. And in the height of the battle, a signal came through. And it was spelled letter by letter. And it spelled out W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. Wellington. The next word, D-E-F-E-A-T-E-D. Wellington defeated. And just about that time when that word showed up, one of those sudden English fog clouds settled in. And so the people in the city got the message, Wellington defeated. And gloom and sorrow and discouragement set in. The message came throughout the countryside, Wellington defeated, we've lost the war. But a few moments later, actually, uh, given, a, given a few minutes beyond that, and maybe an hour or so, the fog cloud that set in to block the message 
lifted. And it was not a two words message. It was a four words message. Wellington defeated. The third word now showed up. T-H-E, the. And the last word, E-N-E-M-Y, enemy. Wellington defeated the enemy. Well, needless to say, there was jubilation and clapping and and trumpet sounds and drum beating because now the war was over and the English had won and the Allies had won. The whole message was now visible. It was Friday 2,000 years ago. And on that place outside Jerusalem called Golgotha, the place of the skull, where Jesus was crucified, When the fog set in, the Bible says the crucifixion was horrendous, but even all of nature announced its displeasure at the crucifixion of their creator. The Bible says that the sun refused to shine for three hours at Jesus' crucifixion. The Bible says that the earth beneath the cross, even the ground, groaned at the crucifixion of the creator. And there was a massive earthquake. The Bible says that the veil of the holy temple in Jerusalem that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two. And the fog of discouragement set in. The disciples ran for their lives. Because they thought if they got Jesus, they're coming to get us next. And the two-word message that hung over the cross on Friday was... Jesus defeated. Now, if you've been around me, and some of you have, you've got guests today, and I'm trying to behave myself, but if, you, if you've been around me, you know I feel a whoop, glory coming on. Jesus defeated. He said, it is finished. But that was Friday. Come Sunday morning. Oh, now, 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 some of you think that, that Jesus was in the tomb for three days, even though he resurrected, he stayed in the tomb until he, no, no, no. During those three days, the Bible, before he ascended, he that ascended first descended. When you saw the reenactment of Jesus walking here, Jubilee, did you see him with a scepter in one hand and keys in the other? Did you see him a while ago? Did you see that those keys were three keys? Because while you thought, while people thought he was in the grave and wasn't coming out, the Bible said he descended to the heart of the earth and took the keys of death and hell and the grave. You have nothing to be afraid of because Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Now, now, because Sunday came, the message, when the fog lifted, after the stone was rolled away, and after Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, it wasn't a two-word message, it is finished. It was a four-word message. It, 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 it said, Jesus defeated, the next word, T-H-E-V, and the fourth word is D-E-V-I-L. Jesus defeated the devil. That's the whole message of the cross. Jesus wins. You win. I win. We all win. Jesus is victorious. Oh, yes. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You'll be seated in just a moment. Don't worry about your clocks. They ain't even opened Golden Corral yet, so just be still. 
And if they have, you can hold on. It's Easter. You know what amazes me is there, there are people now in this present day world, and some of you might have been convinced by them, to get you to believe that this is all a hoax. And I, I, I have been preaching this gospel for many years. And I am always amazed at the attempts that are made by cynics and so-called intellectuals to discredit the Lord's resurrection. We, in the 1960s here in America, there was a person who wrote a book entitled The Passover Plot. The author of the book, in order to discredit the resurrection, says, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He swooned, fell asleep. He, uh, the suffering and bleeding, he lost a lot of blood and he fainted. Temporary coma. And he came back to life in the cool tomb for three days. It was cool. It was comfortable. And, and so he came back to life. And the disciples came on that third day and nursed him back to health. He just swooned. And uh, they hit him and claimed that he resurrected. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology or anything else to figure this out. Let me say this to you. Uh, I read where in a religious column in a newspaper where someone wrote the editor, and uh, I think I have it here, and made this inquiry about this thing about Jesus just falling asleep and coming back out of tomb because he was resurrected, didn't really die. The letter goes like this. Dear Eutychus, meaning the, the person to whom is giving advice, uh, it says this, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? And, and the editor replied like this, dear reader, beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails <laughs> with 39 heavy strokes. Listen to this. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the blistering sun for six hours. Run a spear up through his rib cage and into his heart, and bomb him with at least one hundred pounds of embalming spices and wrappings. Put him in an airless tomb for seventy-two hours and see what happens. <laughs> You're laughing because it's nonsense. He didn't fall asleep and go into a coma. He died. Roman soldiers who knew how to recognize death pronounced him dead. But you know, there's more. The disciples, somebody else says, well, it's not true. The disciples came to the wrong burial place. <laughs> they said that when the angel told the disciples and Mary and the other Mary who came to the tomb on the Easter morning that we know, uh, when the angel said, he is not here, then... Uh, the angel meant that he was buried at another location. But if you buy that, you don't know your Bible. Because the angel did not say, he is not here alone. He said, he is not here. He is risen. And let me tell you something. Coming to the wrong bear, how ludicrous can you... I mean, listen, the disciples might have been born at night, but it wasn't at night that Jesus got crucified. 
I mean, there were more than one. There were, there were, there was even as much as 15 or more people who came to the burial place, not all at one time. Surely they would have enough sense to know this is the right or the wrong place. And then there's the argument of uh, the resurrection is not true because, because it's a really mass hallucination. I, I haven't studied psychology a lot. And after pastoring these all these years and meeting some different people, I wish I had studied a little more. Do you know that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time after his resurrection? Give me a witness. Do you know that Jesus appeared to two men on the Emmaus Road after his resurrection? Do you know while the disciples were hiding in a, a room in Jerusalem in some secret place because they feared for their life, Jesus didn't even open the door. He didn't even open nothing. He just walked through the door and walked through the wall and appeared to them. Do you know that, that there are witnesses? Many. Do you also know that no two people can have the same hallucination? So that theory is debunked. There are those who will tell us that the enemy of Jesus stole his body. Well, if the enemy of Jesus stole his body to discredit a potential resurrection, why did it not produce his body when the disciples started preaching that he was alive and discredit the disciples' message? But they couldn't produce the body because they never stole it. And then here's another one that is an argument against the resurrection, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to wrap it up with this. The disciples of Jesus stole his body. And again, that is ludicrous. And I'll tell you why. Do you know all of the disciples of Jesus, his immediate circle, with the exception of John, all of them died a martyr's death. One was boiled in oil. One was beheaded. Another one was crucified upside down. Anybody here in the preacher this morning? Why would you do that or I do that for a hoax? If when they were arrested and they were about to be killed and had a chance to confess that they stole the body of Jesus, had they stolen it, wouldn't they have not done it to preserve their life, one or two of them at least? But it wasn't a hoax. They never stole the body of Jesus. What happened is that they did see the resurrected Lord and that resurrection power came in their lives and they not only saw him, but they were empowered by the resurrected Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel and whosoever believed, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and wherever you go, I am with you. Give the Lord another praise. Okay, so here it is. Here it is. Some of you here this morning have some stuff in your life that you feel is dead. And you need resurrection power. Because Jesus specializes in miracles. But listen to me now. I'm going to wrap it up. Some of you here this morning, you're not yet dead to your sins and you need to be. Because the only way to get to heaven is through the forsaking of our sins and receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior, accepting His gift and being born again. Look at me, listen to me now, okay? You can argue later and, and if you need an appointment to talk this out with me, I'll try my best to accommodate, but listen to me now. There is no other name and no other way to heaven than Jesus and the Father. I know that they are great teachers and great philosophers, and I know they are great writers and great orators and, uh, of history. And I know man have come up with other religions, but there is no other way to heaven, no other way to eternal salvation than through Jesus. 
I am not being bigoted. I'm not being narrow-minded. I am telling you, not Buddha, not Islam, not Hinduism, not transcendental meditation, not the Dalai Lama, not Mahatma Gandhi. There is no other way to salvation than the blood of Jesus Christ. No other way. Now, I know that there are things going through your mind, but I am saying this to you. Let the video run. Let the evidence play. Let the video, let the audio be recorded because if you don't make the right decision today, it will come up as evidence before you on the day you stand before God. And when you try to say, well, I didn't know and nobody told me, God is going to say, but were you not there on April 4, 2010 on Resurrection Day and heard my word? Did you not have a chance and I'm telling you I'm saying to you now that if you are in sin you need to leave it if you're sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend out of marriage that is sin and you need to leave it or it could send you to hell if you're committing fornication or adultery if you are involved in any kind of sexual perversion and lust, you need to ask God to forgive you. I, listen to me. I know America lives in a politically correct climate. So they give birth control stuff to kids in school. And they say if they're going to have sex outside of marriage, keep it safe. No, God said no sex outside of marriage, only for marriage. And if you do it and you do it willfully, you jeopardize your soul. You hear me now? Okay. Listen to me. I'm here on this Easter Sunday not to just do a thing to accommodate people okay this is the second of three i am here because i'm standing between the living and the dead did, did anybody hear me this morning i am a watchman on the wall i'm standing between the living and the dead this morning i will be judged by god one day later on for letting you breeze through here and breeze out so you could get to lunch without telling you that you have evidence today that demands a decision i am hurrying L- listen to me And if you don't make a decision today, you've already made a decision. If you didn't come to... What I'm saying to you, it's easier than you think. You never have to give up anything that you think you will lose so much and miss out so much where God won't fill it in with a better thing. Don't lose your soul for pleasure, for money.